Dispatch, this is Mindy at ME Flow. You know, you don't have to put off fixing plumbing problems in your home anymore. I mean, you could just ignore that clogged drain or visit MEFlow.com to take care of your plumbing problems. ME Flow, license 271-001-2450. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a hard time picking up and reading a Bible because your faith tradition ruined it for you, but you want to approach the Bible in a fresh way? Bibliotheca is a Bible that invites you to engage with the text in a totally different way, the way its ancient readers would have experienced it. Unlike a typical reference Bible that looks and feels like a dictionary, these books look and feel like inviting literature. You get five cloth-bound volumes, no chapters or verse numbers, no cross-references, no notes. Bibliotheca is currently taking pre-orders for another print run, and if you order now, you'll get special early bird pricing, and guess what? Big news. Your purchase will support TNE, that's us, as well. Use the code TNE22 when you check out, and $20 of every pre-ordered set will go toward the work that we do here at TNE. That is a win-win. Again, visit bibliotheca.co or check the link in our show notes, and be sure to use the code TNE22 when you check out. Thanks. Oh, what is up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals Podcast. Good to be with you. Um, I have on this episode, Noah, our podcast producer, because <laughs> it's been a while. I think I have to introduce you as a guest, Noah. It's been so long since we've gotten time to catch up, really even behind the scenes, um, yeah. and, and do a podcast together. So good to see you. Glad you're here. Um, I would say thanks too, for making man. time, but I said I said that, that to everyone, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's good to be back doing this again. Like, it's probably been just about a month since I've been on, probably around the time of beer camp. So, oh my gosh, good. I know, be a fun you know, convo. It really, it's crazy. I I know it sounds cliche, but time truly does like fly. And I feel like it took so long for beer camp to come up, and now it's mm-hmm. two months in the rear view, oh and we're coming up on you know it's December first right now as of this recording, and we're, we're probably going to drop this tomorrow, which will be Friday the second, and you know it's almost at the end of the, end of the year. It's it's wild. I can't believe it. Yeah, dude. I. I don't know where the time's going right now. <laughs> no, same, same. Um, so, you know, friends, if this is like your first time listening or, or maybe you're newer to our podcast, our episodes are kind of um, diverse in, 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 in their form and content. Sometimes we'll do a response video that's kind of long form. But sometimes I bring Noah on and him and I just really shoot the shit and kind of talk about some more current events and our thoughts on it. So this is what that episode's designed to do. So welcome in. Take a seat. Uh, if you're driving, you're probably already sitting, I hope. And, uh, you know, we're going to catch up on some stuff because a, a lot of things – um, have happened, Noah, in two months. Now we're gonna we're not gonna capture all of them. I mean, we could be here for hours, but I do think we we should definitely hit a, a few of the big things. I think one important thing to start off with is by saying that you and I are doing a live podcast event in we Chattanooga, are. Tennessee, in like less than two weeks, which is just crazy. Is it that soon? Yeah, December sixteenth. Wow. That's how disconnected I am with my like you know <laughs> calendar right now. That's nuts. I thought that was a month away. That's so cool. I I, I, feel, I felt like a month away, like you know, uh, it felt like a long a long ways away, even a week ago. And then all of a sudden, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, we're two weeks out. We're we're doing a live podcast recording with with an audience. Um, hopefully, people from from the podcast are going to be able to come out. We have tickets available. You know, you can get, you can get them at the, at the link in our show notes. But we also brought April Joy on. April is if you guys don't know who April is, first off, she's part of the evangelical uh, evangelicalish. Is that the name? I think. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, and she's part right. of that podcast, which is great. And her content is very, it's satire. Like it's just hilariously on the nose, evangelical satire. And she does, I mean, her videos, like they, they go places, which is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. So she's in that general area. So I gave her a call and said, April, you got to join me. And then we have Mike from Mad Priest Coffee, who's kind of sponsoring the event. I said, you have to join us and, and be part of like a live recording because there's so many things to talk about with her in particular. Like literally, th- this is true. She told me out of the blue. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but I actually dated a member of the power team. Oh my god! I'm like, wait, you mean like the the muscle, you know, breaking breaking bricks power <laughs> team? You dated one of those people, and you're just telling me now? So of course we we'll have to unpack that when we when we record with 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 the, with the audience in person. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that event. So it, it this is our first one too. This is like our first yeah. actual TNE podcast event, which I'm a little nervous about. If I can be honest about that, you know, you always think about well, who's going to actually show up? Like, is it actually going to be successful? Are people actually going to enjoy it? But, you know, your first time is always your most difficult, I think. So you have to swing the bat and just go for it. I feel great about it, man. I think it's going to be so much fun, especially after coming out of beer camp and just getting to share so many great conversations with people in the community and have that, like, face-to-face interaction, which is so hard to find right now. I know. You know, I just, I I can't wait to do it again. And I think it's going to be so cool to do it in that space with, you know, again, April, she's hilarious, but she's also such a brilliant mind too. And I know she's going to have really insightful things to say. And of course the Mad Priest coffee team is awesome. So it's, it's going to be so much fun. If you're anywhere around that area, please come and hang out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited because we're doing really, we're, we're really going to record two full podcasts with the audience. We're going to do one where it's me, April and Mike talking and just kind of like doing an actual episode, but then we're going to do a Q and a, like we're going to do a Q and a episode with, with audience interaction. Plus, you know, the, the goal of, of the event is not just so people come and sit down and leave. We're making it as communal as possible. You know, like it's a really nice venue. We'll have a fire pit outside. We're going to do all kinds of, you know, just little things to hopefully get people to talking because you're right. No, like if there's one thing for me, at beer camp that was so refreshing, although it, it was over overwhelming at first, it was <laughs> meeting so many people in person and like yeah. seeing their physical bodies, not just their head or like their torso, you know, and, and seeing their mannerisms and just being with people. So I, I hope that, you know, I hope that people who are who are who are thinking about coming out or who who want to come out are looking forward to meeting new people because I get that all the time on the back end. Like I just want friends. And I, I, I mm-hmm. hope that an in-person event like this hopefully connects people, you know, to hopefully be um, more, I guess, friendly w- w- with each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's just, it's so much going on right now. I'm so excited about that. We got that. We've got this second podcast, which I guess we're not like officially announcing yet, but we well, know I think Instagram you just announced stories. it. I guess I just announced it. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, it's been okay. I'm sorry. It was in the Instagram story, so I assumed we were announcing. Well, it. should I do it all but, official, like big news, everyone? Yeah, You're not going to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. We are launching a second podcast in early 2023, which is like in a month from now, called "The Roads We Wander," and it's spelled W-O-N-D-E-R. Um, the idea being that we are on this road of life together and we're trying to soak in the joy and share our stories. So this is going to be a podcast dedicated to letting people from our community share their stories with the community. So Hope Decker, who's our Zoom group coordinator, really just a great human. She's the host of this podcast and she's interviewing people from our community and sharing those stories with you. That way you feel less alone in your journey of whatever you want to call it, you know, deconstruction, renegotiating faith. So we're launching a whole 
second podcast devoted just to that, which I'm really, I'm honestly excited for. And Noah, you know, you've been working on it. I know a lot and you, you've, you've created the music for it and we worked really hard to hopefully make it, you know, enjoyable. So we'll be announcing that will not announcing, but that, that should be coming out. Uh, probably I would say mid January, you know, right after the holidays, if, every, if, if, if everything goes according to plan. Knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Dude, I'm so excited for it. You know, we've been we've figured out this test pilot episode that we've shared with a few people in the community to get feedback on. And I, I just think it's going to be such a worthwhile listen to so many people in our community. You know, when I first was introduced to the New Evangelicals, before we even met, when I discovered the Instagram, I think the thing that stuck out to me um, that was so important and was so therapeutic was just going through the stories and reading through everybody's journeys and what they were processing in the moment, how they were navigating this, you know, question of faith and spirituality and what does it mean to follow Jesus when we're reconsidering evangelicalism and so many of the things that were fundamental to our faith at one point and, you know, what does it mean to go forward together in that? And so having a second podcast that's really just dedicated, you know, with, with this podcast, we have on these amazing experts and these, you know, amazing authors and speakers and, yeah. and brilliant minds. And it's it's so important to do some of the, like, mental work of reconsidering things we used once used to believe. I can't talk this morning. <laughs> um, but having a, a second podcast, which is really just stories. And, you know, it, even just that first episode, I, I've listened to it over and over just as the part of in the process of producing it and hearing people's stories, it makes you feel less alone. You know, it yeah. makes you feel like this is, this is bigger than me. And, you know, I have a place at this table and, and a part of this journey. And so I'm really, really excited for that. And, you know, I'm sure listeners, you know, you'll hear more about that as we get a little closer to releasing the first episode, but stay tuned because it's, it's going to be great. I'm really excited. And hope is just a wonderful human being and a great interviewer. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm always, and I know you're really not just me, but but the whole team is always thinking about ways to, how do we do what we're designed to do as best as we can, right? Like, how do we hold space for people well? How do we have them share their stories well? How do we help educate people well? How do we advocate for accountability? All those things. And I think that that this second podcast will really help people feel more connected on, on a personal level. Yeah. Not just like an informational level, right? Like mm-hmm. I think our main podcast, I, and, and listen, it, it, it reflects me as a person because I tend to be more of like, I want the knowledge, I want the data, sure. I want like the nuance of things. And that's great. But you also need, need the, the other side of, well, I need connection though. Like, I have to feel connected to people. Like I'm part of something that, that, that gets me, but also is bigger than me and also that I can contribute to and, and, and be a part of. And I hope that this second podcast that we're, uh, you know, that we're going to release is going to help people feel more connected, um, maybe emotionally, you know, um, more, uh, in, in a more human sense than just like, oh yeah, that podcast with so-and-so was really helpful, uh, knowledge wise, you know, but like what's, who is that person? So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I think it's, I just think it's key. You know, if we're going to do this, I don't know, man, like new evangelicals, I, I always feel like we can't, we can't like shortcut things, you know, like, yeah. like the focus is not building a massive organization that looks like a corporation that is, you know, doing tens of millions of views online. I mean, listen, if that ever happened, that's great. But the key has got to be like, are people connected? Are people 
Um, are people being helped? Are people connected outside of me? Like, are they just in these spaces with their own people doing their own thing? Yeah. But, 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 and we're kind of just like, a, like a, a big house for them to kind of exist in, right? I mean, we have people who are trying to get, trying to get a Discord server set up. And I said, great, like, just go do it. Like, don't even ask, just get it done. I'll give you like our, our rules and guidelines that we have on the Facebook community that we should definitely transfer over to Discord. But like, after that, like, I'm hands off. Don't even tell me what you're doing. And I think that's, the way to build an organization that 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 has a focus that we have, you know, which is really holding space for folks marginalized by the evangelical church. So I'm hoping that as we develop, especially in 2023, you know, we just did this big Giving Tuesday push, which by the way, if you're someone who gave, thank you so much. We raised $2,000, which is amazing. And we really want to focus on 2023 on building out um community, like holding space for people and storytelling. And we also want to build out our education side, meaning like how do we help educate people even beyond spaces that we would normally reach? Like we we were kind of birthed in like this deconstruction space. I didn't even know what it was right. until after I started the account, but I found <laughs> myself in it and that's great. And that needs to be a space that will always exist, right? But if we want to shift like evangelical culture, if we, if we want to get the so-called moderate to kind of wake up to how dangerous Christianity nationalism is you have to think you have to think beyond content wise just the bubble that you're in and that's for anything right so of sure. course we're always going to do like i just did a video today you know um I'm talking about like the the marriage equality act that that passed and so we always do that kind of stuff and we're going to do that stuff but also we want to think about people like my mom Who's just a great lady has no clue that Jerry Falwell was was a segregationist and was a racist. Sure. Just things that you know. Oh, Jerry Falwell, Liberty University, a good guy, right? But if she ever like actually was told and in, in a way where she was receptive to hearing this, she'd be shocked. She'd be like, "Oh my god, I had no idea." Yeah. So I'm always thinking about like how do we create content that helps educate people like that, right, in a very non-threatening way. So we're thinking about that for just bigger plans in 2023. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's cool, man. Like I don't know this organization that I accidentally started. I had no clue what was going to happen, and you know, here we are. I met you through it. I met so many amazing people through it. Now we podcast all the time, and you know, I'm doing this work full time. It's just, it's truly a privilege. But man, there's just part of me being like that that uh, ID ideator or like idea driven person, I'm always kind of like, okay, like how can we, let's try this. How about this? Which can be really good until you realize that like you're just too wide. You know? So yeah. luckily there are people who kind of help bring me in. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm, I'm excited for everything that's coming up in the next year. It's going to be good. No, I agree. So, all right, let's move into a few things I wanted to, I want I wanted to talk about with you. So first, I think one of the biggest pieces of news that I, okay, all right, friends, listen, hang in there with me, but we have to talk about it, okay? We, we just have to. Um, I, I, people should know, if you don't know this about me, I had an old podcast before I started TNE, when I was pretty conservative still, you know, pretty much in evangelical spaces. And this podcast was started probably in 2014, and it went through probably until like 2018. It was with two other buddies. It was a small podcast. It didn't really go anywhere. But when Trump came on the scene, now remember, I'm still in evangelical spaces. I'm not affirming yet. I'm pretty conservative. Even then, I could not believe that evangelicals were just like bowing down to Trump and, and, and throwing all their weight behind right. him. 
So I say this because whenever I talk about Trump or or how shocked I am, I'm not saying it as someone who's like, oh, I just had this epiphany yesterday. Like I've been thinking about this even when I was a quote unquote more conservative evangelical. And it feels like looking back on the Trump presidency, there's so many like new bottom of the barrel moments where you're like, well, certainly this will be the moment. Well, certainly this will be the moment. I mean, all the way back to before he even got elected, when 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 the leaked you know Hollywood access tapes came out about him bragging about a sexually assaulting women. I thought then this was the end, and of course it wasn't. You know, and then you have all the comments about calling countries shitholes and, and the racism, and and then you know he he incites a damn insurrection. I'm thinking maybe this is the moment, and still. Evangelicals continue to really, in general, support Trump. And now here's here's another moment, a moment where I say, okay, this has got to be it. Like, this is it. This has got to be the bottom of the barrel moment. And as of this recording, Trump really, it has not faced him much. And I'm going to explain what, I'm going to explain what happened. Um, But does that make sense first, Noah? Like, you know, I I want people to know I'm not just like newly on this bandwagon. I've been calling this out for (laughs) We're in 2022 for close to seven or eight years now, even when I was still firmly seated in evangelical spaces. Which is crazy even just to mentally think that this is seven, eight years. (laughs) This has been going on that long. Jeez. Okay. Sorry. I know. All right. That's just so. Yeah. So, okay, friends, you probably know about Kanye West and and his his, his anti-Semitism. And honestly, he's really I mean, some of the stuff that that he said has just been shocking. He he lost sponsorships. Excuse me. I didn't mean to cough in the mic, but it is what it is. He lost sponsorships the whole night. Okay. Kanye West got a meeting with Trump and Kanye West brought with him Milo Yiannopoulos, Yiannopoulos, who is a former conservative like pundit who got kicked out of his own spaces for his comments on pedophilia. All right. He's, he's not a good dude. And then he brought with him Nick Fuentes. Now, if you are part of the TNE network culture, whatever, you know that we covered Nick Fuentes a while ago when it came out that Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke at his rally, which is essentially a white supremacist rally. So Nick Fuentes, and I'm not exaggerating, folks, he is, when you think about like, um, the caricature of a racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic person. He is that person, and he says everything that bluntly. There's no dog whistling with Nick Fuentes, zero. Um, you can go to Right Wing Watch on Instagram or Twitter, and you can see the clips. The, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna re- repeat what he said, but I'm telling you, you watch the stuff. It is openly Holocaust denying. I mean, we're, we're at that level here, okay? This is this is not like, um, well, you know, Matt Walsh, uh, you know, he kind of codes some of his stuff sometimes. No, no, no. This is blatant. And he went with Kanye to meet with Trump. And Trump sat down with them and had dinner with them at his house in Mar-a-Lago. Now, this comes out, and Trump's response is so pitiful. It's so bad. He essentially says on, on on Truth Mobile that he was helping out a black man, Kanye, and he had no idea who Nick Fuentes was. Yeah, wait, Noah, you, you didn't know that? What? No, I haven't heard Oh, <laughs> let me let me go quote. find what? All right, Noah, you, you, you saw and give commentary while I, while I go ahead and, ahead and find the, this. Okay, just yeah. Nick Fuentes, just just uh, I'm gonna share one little quote here, I guess, just to fill some time because this one popped up on my news feed today. And um, 
yeah, just to just to give you an idea of some of the some of the things that he said. Um, let me see where is this at. Um, well, I I think we can understand why he's aligned with Nick with um Kanye West. Something he recently said. He wants I want the country to have Catholic media, Catholic Hollywood, Catholic government. I want it to be a Catholic occupied government, not a Jewish occupied government. So he's he advocates pretty blatantly for forms of religious nationalism. Um, but not even that, he's not ashamed to say that democracy is actually a fatal flaw of the country and he wants to move away from democracy. Another quote I found recently, uh, fuck the UN and the internet and democracy. You know what democracy has given us? Obesity, low rates of literacy. It's given us divorce, abortion, gay marriage, liberalism, and pornography. That's what democracy has given us. Ghettos and crime and political correctness. Diversity. Yeah, the track record of democracy, not so good. Catholic autocracy. Pretty strong, pretty strong record. Catholic monarchy, Catholic monarchy and just war and crusades and inquisitions. Pretty good stuff. That's a direct quote. Wow. Uh, just for a little context about who we're, who we're talking about here. Okay. Um, did, I, did I stall enough? Kind of. I mean, he kind said a of? lot of different things. I, this is not the right uh, thing that he said, but here's another example. So he goes, yay, formerly known as Kanye West, was asking me for advice concerning some of his difficulties, in particular having to do with business. We also discussed, to a lesser extent, politics, where I told him he should definitely not run for president. Any voters <laughs> you may have should vote for Trump. Anyway, we got along great. He expressed no anti-Semitism. Oh, thank God that he didn't express any anti-Semitism Glad we there. cleared that up. And I appreciated all the nice things he said about me on Tucker Carlson. Why wouldn't I agree to meet? Also, I didn't know Nick Fuentes. Okay, now this is just like, this is so ridiculous, because here you have, here you have, um, you know, a, a former sitting president, okay, a former sitting president sitting down with Nick Fuentes. Now, let's just say, let's just say that Trump didn't know who he was. I don't believe that for a lot of reasons. Let's say he didn't. What you do is you say, and I didn't know Nick, and I condemn everything he said, and right. I think he should be, you know, yada, 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 and I will have nothing to do with him, and this is a bridge too far, and you make it very clear how horrible Nick's rhetoric is. Instead, he doesn't do that. And I just found the other tweet. So here's yeah, what he, here's it. another tweet he said. Um, this is on his own Truth Mobile app. So I help a seriously troubled man who just happens to be black, Kanye West, who has been decimated in his business and virtually everything else, and who has and who has always been good to me by allowing his request for a meeting at Mar-a-Lago alone so that I can give him very much needed advice. He shows up with three people, two of which I didn't know, the other a political person who I haven't seen in years. I told him don't run for office, a total waste of time, can't win, fake news went crazy. Can you believe that? Oh my God. That's not, it's so easy. It is, it's so easy to just say, I condemn everything that Fuentes has said. I don't align with him. It doesn't align with the beliefs of MAGA or however you want to put it. It's so easy to say that. It takes, it takes no effort. Zero. That, what, how is, why, I, I don't understand why. It takes more effort to make these tweets then just right. to say Nick Fuentes is an anti-Semitic, homophobic, lying, racist, white nationalist, and I and I denounce everything he stands for. I mean, that's yeah. all you have to say, and he won't. Now, and this is why I get so you guys are getting ranty Tim today on this moment because <laughs> I love ranty Tim. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's important to recognize, okay? For years, we heard from you know 
evangelicals and 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 evangelical leaders and right-wing pundits trump's not a racist trump's not this trump's not that and now you have a smoking gun moment where he sits down with someone who is openly racist who he says he didn't know which again i don't believe for a second not for one second and he doesn't denounce it he doesn't Instead, he deflects. This is ridiculous. This is, I mean, talk about hitter, uh, hittery, history repeating itself. <laughs> the, the, anti, the, the, the fact that anti-Semitism is on the rise is terrifying. The fact that major celebrities like Kanye West are saying anti-Semitic things and getting meetings with former sitting presidents should freak you the fuck out. It just should. And it should be it should be such a black and white slam dunk of no, this is bad. This is too far. Now the question is, what have evangelical leaders said about this? Because you know we have to, and we again we, we've covered this time and time again. We know that without evangelical leaders like Jerry Falwell Jr., Franklin Graham, Robert Jeffries, etc., there is no Trump vote by evangelicals. We know that. Robert Jeffries, pastor of the largest Baptist church in Texas, had Donald Trump speak for Christmas, his Christmas service last year. We covered this. Not a peep from Robert Jeffries. Not a peep from Franklin Graham. I have not seen anything from Jerry Falwell Jr. Nothing. Now, I have seen Breitbart News covered this story well, by the way. I can't believe it, but Breitbart News actually covered it and said, pretty much said, hey, this is really bad. And a lot of uh, Republicans have, de- have you know, denounced this. That's good. Mitt Romney has said stuff. I think Mitch McConnell said something. That's good. But my friends, denouncing is not far enough. Trump should not be allowed to run, you know, for president on your, um, on your party platform. Like, this should be so clear, especially considering how, oh my God, there's this perception that Republicans are pro-Jew. That they are pro-Israel, that they care about the Jews. Right. And yeah. their former sitting president, who apparently is so good to the Jews, sits down with someone, not one, but two people who are openly anti-Semitic. It's insane. It's absolutely what? insane. Again, I- we, we, we've now reached another level. We are so we're almost to the Earth's core at this point. That's how far <laughs> down the, the the barrel of total depraved rhetoric, ideology, worldview. That's how far we are. We're, 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 we're literally almost to China, so to speak, right? You know how when you're a kid, you're digging in, uh, you know, in the sand at the beach. If you go to the beach, you say, we're going to dig a hole to China. That's kind of a joke, you know, the other side of the world. That's how far we are here. I I, I have no words. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, and I think the thing that frustrates me the most about that is the fact that we've seen Mitch McConnell – and Mike Pence and all these Republican voices condemn this faster than the evangelical church has. Oh, totally. And again, I think that this expresses in crystal clear terms so much of what my frustration and and your frustration and so many of us, the frustration we have with um, the evangelical church as it stands as sort of like this cultural identity, that we're not quicker to condemn this kind of clearly, like, explicitly under no circumstances christ-like behavior and ideology i don't i don't see any way that you can justify that through a through a a, the lens of jesus right like this should be the, the crystal clear really easy to say hey look that's messed up that's wrong we don't speak for that you know that or that doesn't speak for us you know that that should be so easy and so simple and like i'm i'm mad that trump didn't do it but i think i'm i'm way more mad i'm way more frustrated that this didn't come first 
from the people that are claiming to follow after the way of Jesus? Like, I, how do we, what do you know? Like, I, I don't even have anything else to say about that. I'm just like, I wish I can say I'm world? surprised, but because of what I have to track for a living, I don't, I'm not. And here's why. In some of the farther right evangelical spaces that have connections to more mainstream evangelical leaders, like Doug Wilson, for example, sure. they are pushing a book by an author who co-hosts a podcast with someone who's what they call a kinist. That is essentially someone who believes like each race to his own. Okay, mm-hmm. and this book, A Case for Christian Nationalism, is platformed by Doug. It's being pushed through Canon Press, um, and 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 we're actually surprise spoiler alert. We actually accidentally interviewed Doug Wilson, and we're releasing an episode next week. I didn't tell you that, Noah. Not what? Oh yeah, you, what? Yeah. yeah, we we interviewed Doug Wilson. Mm-hmm. We did. Yep. What? Yep. Is it like an hour long interview? This isn't, this isn't a joke. You actually interviewed. Doug no, I, I, I am. This is not sarcasm. Holy we're, shit! We're okay. gonna release the episode next week, so uh, just stay <laughs> tuned. And no, I'll give you more details behind the scenes. Wow. Okay. But yeah. Safe to say. Give me a minute to process that it's, one. It, well, it's one of it's it's really an attempt to be almost like an investigative journalist kind of approach. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. had an, I had an actual journalist who works with us actually. I put him on the case and said, let's do a story on Doug Wilson for the podcast. And he calls yeah. me and he goes, yeah, I, I got an interview with, with Doug. I go, what? <laughs> you, you did what? So anyway, we'll explain wow. more of that okay. later on. Yeah. But but for us to critique this, we have to know what's going on in these spaces. And and we are seeing in, in right-wing evangelical spaces a rise of some of the same rhetoric we saw with Bob Jones in the 60s. We're seeing, and now they're hinting, but it's less of a dog whistle than it was two years ago. You know, like some, like, like for example, the author of uh, this book, book, A Case for Christian Nationalism, we have him, we have an actual clip of him talking on a podcast, how a Christian nationalist society can't have women in charge, has to enact blasphemy laws and throw people in jail who violate them, and has to crush atheism. Like, this, these are his words. I mean, mm-hmm. at, not out of context, he's talking yep. on the podcast, and he says that. And then we have tweets from him arguing that maybe inter-ethnic marriages could be sinful at times. I'm not yeah. kidding you. So, so, well, we, so have, we, we have, like, yeah, sp- like we even have, like, sections of the book where people have highlighted that. Totally. Did you, did you see those quotes? Yes. Like, directly condemning the, like, intermingling of races outside of, like, business or something. Now, he, I don't want to misrepresent it. Go read the Well, quote, the author but. says, when I say ethnicity, I don't mean race. But, I mean, my God. Like, he, he he's not clear at all. Listen, I can't get into it on this episode. But you can read reviews, thorough reviews, going through it almost line by line. But I'm just saying, like, I, I say all that because we are seeing almost more of like that Nick Fuente style of like, I'm just going to say it, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Christian nationalism is, I mean, dude, two, a year and a half ago, two years ago, Christian nationalism was like, no one would claim that. And now, you know, it's like, yeah, openly Christian nationalists. You know, you gave me, you sent me that, that, that thing by um, Nathan Finocchio. Mm -hmm. Like they're embracing just misogynistic they're, they're um, um talking points they're embracing theolo- theological views that are i think are going to lead to violence eventually in mm-hmm. the name of christian nationalism this is not fringe stuff anymore it is embedded in major evangelical institutions and evangelical leaders are saying nothing they're saying so little 
and it is it again is one of those moments I feel like I'm back in 2015 when <laughs> Trump gets the nomination and I go wait I'm sorry what like am I back in the Twilight Zone it's been almost six years of Twilight Zone moment after Twilight Zone moment of just going yeah. what has happened to my faith tradition what has happened to the way of Jesus that I was taught about as a kid what is going on so that's why we do so much of our work you know that's why we do it we have to we have to expose this stuff that it is rotten to the core my, from, from my vantage point yeah absolutely and just to like cool down the intensity of this conversation really fine go ahead just cool a, me down I'll have, a, I'll have a little light moment here because <laughs> because i'm adhd and i thought this was funny okay. what do you so so you said that tr- trump tweeted but he was on truth yes so it's yes. not a treat what do, what do we call it i don't know is it a what? truth did he is truth? it a truth trump trump truth today that like what's the <laughs> i i don't know i mean trump I is know. back on twitter right but he's not tweeting. right yeah yeah but uh, but he's legally like contractually obligated to post like 24 hours in advance on on truth or something i think oh really that. is that a thing yeah 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 last last i read <sighs> that, um, that was part of his like agreement with uh, the truth platform Oh, well, I, uh, anyway, listen, friends, I, you guys hear me rant a lot. So thanks for listening. I, I appreciate it. But I, I know I'm not alone. Like every day I get these messages. How the hell is this happening? What mm-hmm. is going on? And it, it, it truly is. It, it is, man, that's why there's so many podcast episodes, because there's so much to unpack from so many angles. There's a societal angle. There's the theological angle. There's the cultural angle. And, and we have to... We have to understand it, you know, so we can critique it and, and hold it to account. Because I think if you follow the path that many Christian nationalists are on, you're heading down a path where America is segregated, where you're back to pretty much a white supremacist model of, you know, we benefit and anyone who, anyone who, who doesn't assimilate into our worldview is just kind of put to the side. Um, and and they're doing it doing it in the name of Jesus. And it's like I I. No, like I, I have to do everything I can as a former white evangelical to to be, you know, uh, a branch in in the spokes of that wheel trying to stop it <laughs> because yeah. hell no. And, and, you know, I think I spent so much of my life think like when I would hear a statement like the one that you just made, like about, you know, the, the future of what the future of America would be when I would see somebody like compare a certain political person to nazism and this kind of thing i'd go like what really come on like you know it's not that bad but 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 when you actually study history and you you read the thought leaders that influenced some of the most horrific tragedies in the history of the world uh this is how it starts right it starts with oh these are just those fringe people over there and they're saying crazy stuff but you know we're just kind of going to let them and they're just going to be over there and it's all fine and then give it 20 years give it 50 years now they're kind of like influential in our circles but they're not the dominant force so it's okay because we kind of outnumber them we just kind of let them be and then oh now they're kind of the dominant and then tragedy right horrible things happen and so that's why this is so incredibly important that we're identifying these things when we are. When we look at something like this book about Christian nationalism and we see the exact same rhetoric that someone like Bob Jones is using yep. uh, to support segregation and say that it's the only biblical thing to do and it's, oh, it's just the word of God. We have to follow it. Like, read the sermons, you know? That historically, totally. this is how evil is perpetuated, how it's happened, how it's justified in society, how we get to those moments where we look back in history and we go, oh my God, what were they thinking? Yes. That, like, our response to these things here and now 
reflects the kind of world that that's going to be built out of these out of these things. You know, like well it, it, this is incredibly important stuff. And, and just for anybody in the audience that's listening and is in that place where it's like this just feels too dramatic, whatever. Like, please, please, just pick up some history books. And study the way that these things have happened in the past and listen to the voices of the people are, that are, are warning about what the future could look like if we continue to let these things into our spaces, especially the church spaces. Because you look at the way that religion specifically has been used by power as a, a way of controlling people and enabling this kind of harm throughout history. This is so important as people that are, and I'm getting preachy here, I'm going to slow Preach. down. Preach! But, but like, seriously, like anybody that that is following after the way of Jesus, consider the way in which the people that you're supporting and allowing into your spaces are perpetuating this harm and, and that you're welcoming that in. What's going to come out of that in 20 years or less or 50 years? But like those are serious things that I think we have to think about with a lot of intention. And a lot of the pushback that we have on the evangelical church today is because we grew up in it and we allowed those things and we're saying, oh no, we can't do that anymore. You know? All I can say to that, Noah. Oh no! Wait, we have laugh tracks. Bravo, wow. bravo, bravo! Don't don't give me that kind of attention. I'm just saying. <laughs> and yes, we do have voice effects now because we're so high tech. But bravo, that's exactly right. Every time someone pushes back, listen, we always want to gauge a good faith, you know. But I get this often, like, oh, you're so critical. Oh, it's so negative. Listen, we have to read the room for the sake of our neighbors. We need to be loud. We have to be the squeaky wheel. We have to do something because we know where this leads because history, we have history, okay? When anti-Semitism starts becoming more normalized and former presidents are sitting down with people who have expressed blatantly anti-Semitic views, that begins to allow an acceptance of anti-Semitism. And guys, we're less than 100 years out Mm -hmm. from one of the biggest you know, massacres of the Jewish people ever. (laughs) So please like just read a damn history book. You can read it in English in its context and get a lot of it. And you can see where this stuff leads. Again, I'm going to end here on on this note, but for the sake, if you think we're too negative, just know we're doing it for the sake of our neighbor and for the sake of the folks marginalized by the evangelical church, because this hurts queer folks, it hurts black folks, indigenous folks, it hurts Asian folks, and it even hurts white folks in some ways, okay? But we got to be clear about this. This stuff does damage. It does real damage. So anyway, Noah, great word. I love all that. I want to, kind of in this vein though, we did a video uh, this week actually. I sent it to you. It was my video responding yeah. to Pastor Tim Russ um, on he he did this. Pastor Tim Russ used to be um, a pastor at Embassy City Church, I believe, and now he's kind of doing his own thing. Embassy City Church was a church, a sister church out of Gateway Church, and he, like his account blew up. I mean, I saw it when he when he kind of first started it, and he went from like zero to I think one hundred forty six thousand followers in like a couple months. I mean, it's crazy. His YouTube channel has has a hundred thousand subscribers, and he releases these videos. I mean, he's a really gifted communicator. He's really charismatic and engaging and his videos like they they go viral and he did one that was kind of critiquing people who are deconstructing and just like um he kind of hints that 
maybe it's bad church leaders too, but really it's people that, you know, left the faith for not being able to get their own small group is one of the examples he uses. So I, I, I saw that a few weeks ago and, and I reached out to Tim, Pastor Tim, and I said, hey, you know, we'd, love, we'd love to talk to you about this. I think that maybe you're missing some stuff. I tagged him in a comment. I audio messaged him on, on Instagram, never heard back. So I said, you know what? I gave him two and a half weeks. He, he didn't even see the message. So I'm going to imagine that he just is not interested or whatever. So I did my own response video to it, um, you know, trying to kind of think about like, how could we frame this in ways that would engage him respectfully, but also not mince words. And then I sent it to you and then it, it did pretty well for a video. I mean, it's a three minute video and long form video it's really hit or miss. Like sometimes videos that are that long just go nowhere because it's the internet. But this sure. one did pretty well. It seems like I kind of hit it, you know, struck, struck a chord with people. How many people do we have falling away from the faith right now? All because a church hurt their feelings. Uh, no. If by hurt feelings you mean legitimate abuse, gaslighting, sexual assault with no accountability, sure. But let's not pretend that this whole deconstruction explosion is happening because we wanted the carpets to be red and you chose blue so we walked away. You know why deconstructionism exists? Because discipleship didn't. Nope. Many, if not most of us who have deconstructed were fully immersed in the evangelical world you come from. We soaked up the teachings, led your small groups, planted your churches, and we're all in on the version of Christianity espoused from your pulpits. We actually know the Bible better than the average evangelical. So when the church hurt them, they couldn't even stay committed to Jesus? Oh, pastor failing you Actually, Pastor Tim, our commitment to Jesus led us out of evangelical spaces. We saw the worship of Trump. We saw our churches embrace COVID misinformation and prioritize themselves over their neighbor during a pandemic that has killed millions. We saw how our churches treated people who didn't act like them or look like them or vote like them. And while many of us found that our churches were open to questions, we realized pretty quickly that you had to come to their theological conclusions or else. And since we've left those spaces, we've continued to watch in horror as many evangelical leaders embrace Christian nationalism, platforming right-wing media pundits in their churches, which we believe espouse blatantly anti-Christ teachings. Your small group's leader didn't, didn't let you have a small group and you don't like the whole church no more? Pastor Tim, you planted a sister church out of Gateway Church where lead pastor Robert Morris not only sat on Trump's faith advisory council, but who has also defended and platformed one of the most notoriously abusive evangelical pastors in my lifetime, Mark Driscoll. Mark continues to lie about his past and be welcomed in evangelical spaces despite 40 elders writing a statement that he is not qualified to pastor. Do you understand now why we don't trust evangelical leaders? This has nothing to do with, I didn't get my own small group, so I'm leaving. The whole Big C Church is off limits to you now. No, the Big C Church includes literally thousands of expressions that exist beyond the evangelical basement. Food poisoning at a restaurant, did you stop going to restaurants? No, you stop going to that restaurant. No, I'm sorry, but that's not it. We got food poisoning at a chain restaurant. Stop going to that chain. And the manager of the restaurant is blaming the person who got sick for not coming back. Don't sit here and tell me that I'm a deconstructionist and I just don't like the church anymore. And I don't believe in Jesus anymore. You never did. 
Yeah, this is the kind of gaslighting and no true Scotsman fallacy we walked away from. It completely neglects the voice of the marginalized and instead puts much of the blame on them for things outside of their control. With all due respect, Pastor Tim, I know that as a pastor, you are used to being the one listened to, but I would encourage you to start listening before making such blanket assumptions. I would strongly encourage you to look around at what evangelicalism tolerates in its spaces and start holding your own accountable before you blame the victims for never really believing in Jesus. There you go. I love it, dude. Thanks, I really man. love it. Well, you know, I got to be honest. Um, I've been cheating recently. I, I found an oh. app that, uh, that, that, that is a teleprompter on my phone, and it actually has been really helpful to make scripts ahead of time and then just read them. And that way, it's like, okay, I'm much more articulate. I'm not rushing. I'm not trying to fumble for words. And it, the the app I use actually will match your voice and will scroll as you talk. So you're not like on a timer. You're just as you talk, it follows you. So that's been helpful. But you know, I I when I saw that video, I said, well, I have two options. I can either take one little clip and respond to it, or I can just kind of go through it line by line. And I felt like, given the clout of that person and the influence of that person, and that video that he posted has 42,000 likes. I think it did almost a million views. I just figured like, okay, now's the time just to kind of go through it line by line. So I just think yeah. it's important that people, I don't know. I, I don't want to come across harsh to Pastor Tim, but it just, rhetoric like that just reinforces what we've already known. You know, that evangelical gatekeepers and leaders are not interested in A, holding their own accountable um, at all, and B, really either intentionally or ignorantly mischaracterize what deconstruction is and who's leaving their spaces, not even the church, just the evangelical church, you know? So I, I felt the need to respond. I know I said this to you before, but I really love the way that you engaged with it point for point like that too, because so many times when I'm scrolling through Instagram or something and I see what was, you know, his little 60 second clip, I can get really overwhelmed because he makes a whole bunch of points really, really fast, rapid fire. And being able to respond to his whole train of thought line by line like that yeah. is something that helps me process really well as a person. And I'm sure that's probably why it did so well is because that's just uh, really needed in these spaces, that kind of nuance and approaching things like step by step through somebody's logical process, I think was really cool. Yeah, I just think that I think that part of the role that I have as like the facilitator creator of this right now and also the role of new evangelicals is to be that advocate for people who would see that and go, "No, that's not it, but I can't like really put all the words mm -hmm. together or maybe yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> like I don't want to make the video." And it's like, "No problem. Like we can do that." And 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 I'm not saying that we're speaking for everyone who's deconstructed. Many people end up leaving the the faith completely. I get it. We we've, we've covered that already. And I respect that journey. But really what I'm doing is I'm just trying to advocate for at least like us, right? As a community where it's like, actually, like you're using a term that we all know what you're talking about. Like when you use the term deconstruction, you're talking about a very specific explosion that has happened. You're not talking about someone uh, like in my case, when I was a kid and, and, and I started drumming in the church, a family left because of the drums. They didn't mm -hmm. leave to leave the faith they or 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 because they were hurt they left to go find a more fundamentalist church right sure so i'm not talking to people who are like oh i hate the blue carpet so i want red so i'm going to go to this <laughs> church instead that's not what deconstructing people um are are leaving these spaces over you know so i just felt like like there was an obligation from us to at least say hey um this is not helpful for the people that you're claiming 
to to be talking about because a it's not accurate and b yeah. it comes across like incredibly um you know just kind of callous and also i think that and this is me applying this this to a bigger group not just to pastor tim but i think there's like this mega church pastor culture you know louis giglio um mark driscoll for sure um and, and others um who who are wired to believe that they always have to be the ones talking and giving the the truth, right? Yeah. They're always the ones on the podium who have to give the word every Sunday. So I think when you do that for years, you're just kind of, your brain's wired to assume, oh, you want to hear what I have to say, and I know what I'm talking about, even if, even if I don't. So here you go. I'm going to speak on this topic with like some kind of crazy authority. And I just think that pastors like that need to learn how to listen again and how to be students yeah. again, right? I'm not yeah. saying that Pastor Tim has to agree with everything that we do or, or why people are even leaving, but at least understand, like at least, at least understand, you know, Hey, Mark Driscoll is still in leadership at evangelical spaces. He's still platformed and he abused people and there's no repentance. So we left, like at least understand that before you make comments, like you just, didn't, you wanted your own small group. So you left, like, no, that's not it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that you know, it's interesting, when I listened back to that video, I heard so many of the same arguments that growing up, I I was told about the people that left yes. the evangelical church, or the way that we put it, that, that fell away from the faith, or they left Christianity, however, you know, we had our code words for that, right. um, because we thought evangelicalism was Christianity, and there was nothing outside of it, right. but the, like, the basis of all of those arguments, and I, I stumbled on a couple of them, actually, that uh, an old friend of mine posted on Facebook earlier today, is that they make the person who left out to be weak in some way, either weak in moral character or mental resilience or something. Yeah. It's something that's wrong with you that you couldn't tough it out and stick to it, you know? And I, just, I see that argument again and again, and I think that, to me, that's one of the most hurtful yeah. Out of all of them. And, yeah. and and not even hurtful, but just like deeply problematic. The way that people are just written off that yes. way. It, it's something wrong with you if you can't tough it out. It, and it makes faith out to be just this intellectual exercise where if you can't get on board with our ideas and if you can't stick to them even when it gets tough, then then, you know, it's just something wrong with you. Well, that makes sense because so Pastor Tim Pulled that that clip is, is from his podcast called I think yeah. um, the Basement, and he in the caption mentions you know context right like before you you go write your paragraph you know context. So I listened to that part of the podcast five minutes before it and five minutes after to try and grab the whole thing. Mm -hmm. After that that segment, he goes on to he 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 reached from Ezekiel. And he and he ties the quote about like, you know, woe to you shepherds pretty much or being like bad shepherds. And he ties it back to pastors and he says, quote, woe to the shepherds that have their sheep on a piss poor diet that they can't even recover from one of your ushers being bad, dot, dot, dot. That by the time they talk about sin, half the church leaves because they think you're preaching religion. And like that is that mentality, you know, mm -hmm. and he he goes on to say later on, like pastors, you're not you're you're not friends with your congregation. You're 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 not there to be friendly with them. You're there to lead them and to give them the whole counsel of God's word and to preach sin when you need to. And it's that mentality, right? Of like, yeah, I'm gonna be harsh and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my perspective as authoritative as yeah. this is what God's word says. And if you don't accept it. Me, the person who gave you the food poisoning, it's not my fault. It's your fault because your stomach couldn't handle it. 
And it's like, but you're giving me poison. Like you're giving me yeah. garbage. And so it just reinforced – and again, I'm going off of this clip. I've seen his other stuff before. I don't think he's a bad guy. Some of the things he says, I'm like, yeah, this is maybe helpful for some people. So I'm not trying to say that Pastor Tim is a bad dude or that you know he or that anything he says isn't good. But when I see videos like this, it is very telling to me how they view people like me or people in our community or yeah. folks who were queer – or, or I'm sorry, or, or who are queer and left the church to find Jesus and reconcile their their sexuality with their faith, right? Yeah. Pastor Tim does not look too kindly upon people like that because they were weak. They they right. they just wouldn't accept their pastor's teaching. So this hierarchical, I'm the spiritual authority here, and you peasants have to listen to me. Uh, I just find really damaging. Period. Especially when that disqualifies your relationship with Jesus entirely, which is kind of what that last clip was. You just, you never right. really believed at all. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? You know right. what I mean? Right. It, it, it's just like you and your experience of God is completely invalid. If it doesn't align with my st objective standard of what it means to be a Christian. But then they and, would and say, well, it's not my standard. God. It's God's right. standard. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, right. oh my God, that's such a cop out. And you're, no, Noah, I, I'm with you. I just recently found, someone sent me a picture of me, I had to be five, in my Cubbies Awana uniform, okay? <laughs> oh, you I, had one of those too, okay. I cannot, I don't know how many accolades you need. I don't know, I don't know how I can prove to these people that I'm a committed Jesus person still. Right. Like, I don't know yeah. how many, and, and, and here's what's so frustrating about it. If you list off what you've done, they'll kind of hint like, well, you know, works don't save you. And then if you say, well, I believe in faith and grace, they say, well, where's your action showing it because you're queer affirming, right? right? Like, yeah. like you can't win. You can't prove to them how you were all in on evangelical culture by giving them your list of accolades and awards. But also when you appeal to their theology of, you know, by grace are you saved and you're queer affirming or you're more progressive than they are, well, you're not a real Christian then. It's like, what? Like, I don't understand. What? What? <laughs> you just can't win. Yeah. You just, you can, unless, you, unless you bow the knee to their very fundamentalist and narrow theology. No other theology outside of what they approve of is, I, I guess, going to heaven. I don't know. It's just, it's so, when you really think about it, it's so strange. And it's incredibly arrogant. It is incredibly arrogant to make these, these absolute truth claims about theology, things mm -hmm. that humanity since the beginning has been debating and arguing and trying to figure out, even inside the Christian tradition. You know, this is that basement saying, anyone outside this basement is not a true believer. And it's like, what? Are you, what are you talking about, man? So anyway, I'm now I'm ranting again, but you get my point. Hopefully. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and I mean, not to get on my little theological soapbox, but to me that the more time that I've spent processing my own renegotiation of faith and de deconstruction, whatever you want to call it. To me, that was the the fatal flaw of the thing that I left was the belief that, that faith was defined by your assent to a couple intellectual truths yeah. and your relationship with God completely hinged on whether you perfectly assented to those uh, in, in the way that you know, the evangelical community around you did. Yeah. Uh, and if you didn't, then you couldn't be in relationship with God that any of your demonstration of the fruits of the spirit in your life were completely irrelevant. They didn't count somehow, which is nowhere to be found in the Bible. And um, that that's what it's about. Right. And if you don't believe that list of things, then you're going to hell. And that's what it means to be a Christian. 
And it, it makes no sense to me now, but it made so much sense to me then. Yes. And so when I hear it's, it's so hard for me to, to hear those clips because it's like, I'm, I'm watching an older version of myself Totally. And I'm going, Oh my God, like what? And, but now I'm experiencing it from the other side and yeah. I'm going, that was so fucking harmful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Now I'm just ranting, but no, it's, it's weird to look, to look it. at that. And to like to see my to like see an older version of myself, and have like compassion for it, but also be like, no, this is so wrong. Yeah, and there, something has to change because this is just harming people and keeping gatekeeping God away from them. Right, right. I could not have said it any better. I mean, I will applaud you again. Bravo. Thanks. Oh, I didn't, are... get the, I didn't get the soundtrack clip. This oh, time, I, I have so to go wasn't, find it. It wasn't as good. Okay. No, it was good. I promise. It was really good. It, it was one of my favorites. Wait, what's that? Do I hear something? Oh, oh there, there it oh, is. Oh, there, oh, there oh, it is. Oh, okay, good job, yeah. Noah. I need the validation, Tim. <laughs> well, listen, friends, thanks for hanging in. I mean, we went we went almost an hour. Didn't even mean to. Uh, covered a lot. And um, yeah, you know, Noah, it was good catching up. I know it's yeah. been a little while, but uh, I, I told you this week, I said, we need to podcast together. Mm-hmm. It's been too damn long. And there's things to talk about. And as always, this conversation did not disappoint. So Noah, great seeing you as always. Friends, good seeing you and talking to you. Keep in touch. Hopefully we'll see you in Chattanooga in two weeks, December 16th. Tickets are the link in our bio. If you can't make it, you can still get a ticket to watch the event via live stream. We're going to be live streaming this thing. So grab a ticket. We'll talk soon. Good talking to you. Goodbye. See ya.